Good morning, Oaks Church family. How you feeling today? Come on. Man, when I say Oaks Church family, I truly mean family. Every time that I am with y'all, I seriously feel so a part of what God is doing in this space. How many of you guys know this is an amazing church? God truly is doing something special here at Oaks Church. And uh, I am grateful just to be a part, a small part of what God is doing. And can we give it up for our lead pastor, Pastor John Skipworth? Thank you, Pastor. I know you hate every moment of this. Thank you for leading with integrity. Thank you for leading with intentionality. Thank you for leading this church with a vision from heaven to lead God's people for God's kingdom. We honor you today. Thank you. Let's give it up one more time for our lead pastor. Come on, stand to your feet. Let's show him some love, some honor, some respect today for who this man is and how he leads this church. We honor you. We love you. Man, it is so good to be here. For those of you that are not familiar with who I am, my name is John O'Gates, and uh, I get to travel the world. Thank God that he has literally opened up so many doors to preach the gospel. And uh, I've been traveling full-time now for 16 months. I remember in, in uh, January of 2021, God spoke to me, and he was transitioning me out of the pastorate and into the role of the evangelist. And I remember I was meeting with different uh, mentors and I believe church leaders to kind of get some insight and some wisdom and I met with Pastor John and he poured into me and said there's a gifting over your life to do this and I believe that God's hand is on your life for this and ironically I met with somebody and he looked at me and he, looked, he goes John he goes if you're gonna go launch into full-time traveling ministry you're gonna leave the pastorate this is the time to do it and I was like well, what, what do you mean why do you say that and he goes well you're not married you don't have a house he's like you don't even have a dog he's like you have nothing to lose i was like thank you for reminding me how little i've achieved in my life come on that was not pastor john let me clarify he believed in me all the way through but i'm working on one of those three so pray for your boy that she says yes i'm excited to preach a word on palm sunday how many of you guys know God may not show up the way that you expect, but God will show up the way you need? And I'm grateful that God showed up on a cult in Jerusalem. It wasn't the way they expected him, but it was the way they needed it. I'm grateful that there are moments where God may not do it the way I expected it, but he does it the way that I need it. Can I just encourage you like the song Waymaker? Even when you don't see it, 
he's working. Even when you don't feel it, he's working. Even when everything around you is falling apart, our God can take what the enemy meant for evil and use it for your good and his glory. I'm grateful for a God that is able to do exceedingly abundantly beyond anything we can ask, think, or imagine in this place. And I believe that is a word for someone here. You are looking for God to do it the way you think. But let me tell you, when God does not meet your expectation, it's intentional because he's doing it to exceed your expectation the way that you need it. See, God will not always do what you want, but he will do what you need. And sometimes the only way for you to know what you really need is to not get what you want. And that is hard. That is frustrating. But can I tell you, God loves to frustrate us because he realizes that so many times we try to put a cover over who we think he is and how he moves and how he operates. He says, hey, I'm over that. I'm above your perspective. I'm above your expectation. I'm going to blow you out of the water today. And I truly believe that God has a word for you. And I think the, the longer I'm preaching, I found deep significance in this simplicity. And I think that the potency and the power of something is not found in its profound, but it's found in the depth of how personal it becomes. And my prayer is that today, this would be a personal moment between you and God, that, that we would leave here different than when we walked in. Too many people, too many church goers come into church and never encounter God. They never leave different. They never speak different. They never think different. They never live different. They raise their hand on Sunday morning, but their lifestyle in their home is totally contrary. We don't need any more unbelieving believers. We need some believing believers. We need some people at Oaks Church that would take what God is saying and what God is speaking and would put it into their life and put it into practice. Man, I'm what you call a hollerback preacher, okay? So if there's something that resonates with you, I want you to lift up that little palm branch and wave it around for everyone to see. You can shout me down and say, preach it, skinny jeans, for all I care. But I'm going to be in the book of James chapter 1. Let's get to our text. James chapter 1, verse 19. I feel like I need to remind someone today that if God said it, you will see it. If God has promised it, he will provide it. Don't be striving in your own strength. Keep in step with the Spirit. James chapter 1 verse 19 says this. I love this text. 
This text wrecks me because it literally pushes me beyond what I want to do innately and naturally. It says this, understand this, my dear brothers and sisters, everyone should be quick to listen <laughs> and slow to speak, slow to become angry. For human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires for you. So get rid of all the filth and the evil in your lives and humbly, eagerly, with expectation, accept the word that God has planted in your hearts, for it has the power to save your souls. Don't just listen to God's word. Do what it says. Come on. I could drop the mic right now, say, hey, praise God, I'm gonna pray over you and we're all gonna go home, okay? Let me ask you this question. How much of your life's drama could be resolved if you did what the Bible said? Woo! I'm meddling today. Is that what y'all say down here? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, how much would your relationships be reconciled if you did what the Bible said? See, church, we don't just have a listening problem. We have a living problem. <laughs> we have a lot of people that are looking to be entertained and not actually changed. We got a lot of people that are looking for some humor, but they're not looking to actually live the way God has called and created them to live. He says, hey church, don't be deceived. Don't be fooled. Don't mistake yourselves. Don't just hear something on a Sunday. And some dude wearing way too tight of jeans, he goes, take what he's saying and apply it to your life do something with it faith without works is so he's saying okay church don't mistake this don't just think it's your role to come in and sit through a nice service lift your hands and scroll on your phone when someone gets up to speak he goes there's something that God has for you that he actually wants to do in you and it may not be what you want to hear yeah. Woo! Yeah. but it may be what you need to hear it says don't be deceived otherwise you're only fooling yourselves for if you listen to the word and don't obey it it's like glancing in the mirror and you see your face, you see yourself, and you walk away and you forget what you look like. But if you look carefully into the perfect law, come on, that sets you free. And if you do what it says and don't forget what you've heard, don't forget what you've heard, then God will bless you for it. How many of y'all want the blessing of God? How many of y'all want the favor of God in your family, in your relationships? then this is what I call the kicker. Verse 26, if, 
if you're in the room and you love Jesus, if you're in the room and you've given your life to Jesus, you consider yourself a Jesus follower. This is for you and I today. He says this, verse 26, if you claim to be religious, but don't control your tongue, you are fooling yourselves and your religion is worthless. Woo! What an encouraging word. Let's pray, because we're going to need the Lord to show up. Jesus, God, I pray right now that you would do exceedingly abundantly beyond anything we could ask, think, or imagine. God, would we leave change today? God, would we come into this place, hear a word from heaven, and leave different? God, we're done playing church games. God, we open up our heart. We open up our mind. We open up to what you want to do. And God, it may not be what we expect it to be, but God, we are trusting that it is what we need it to be. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen, amen, amen. Pastor Chad, thank you so much, my friend. I love you. Have you guys ever been a... Uh, in an uncomfortable situation before. Like, anyone bold enough to be honest and transparent? Okay, a um, little bit about me. I, my whole life is an uncomfortable situation. Uh, I have a knack for finding myself uh, in, in encounters or moments or spaces and places that are quite uh, uncomfortable, to say the least. I remember there was one particular moment that comes to mind. It was my first year as a youth pastor in Rochester, Minnesota. That is how me and Pastor John met. He came, and I served under him for three incredible years. And my first couple years as a youth pastor, I was very green and was really trying to build community and connection. <laughs> yeah, he laughs. And I'm, I'm like trying to build connection and community. And so I really got into um, lifting weights and working out and going to the gym every day. And, you know, I wasn't married. I, I really didn't have a family. So after work, that's like all I really had to do. So I just really kind of got into working out. Now, I remember um, I was at the gym one day and I had a mutual friend introduce me to another gentleman. And, you know, I would say I'm a naturally nice guy. Like, I'd like to say I'm a friendly individual. So, like, if I know you, if I recognize you, I'm going to say hello. I'm going to wave, going to acknowledge you. Now, fast forward like a week. I'm at the gym, I'm working out, doing my thing, minding my own business, got my headphones in, listening to some Jesus music, and all of a sudden I see the guy that I just met a week prior. And so me being me, I, I, I wave from a distance, like, hey, what's up, man, how you doing? Now, I, I, I'm trying to be nice here. His face looked very aggressive towards me. And, you know, me being young, dumb, and naive, I walk up to him. I'm like, man, I'm, he's like, bro, I'm so sorry. I missed what you said. I had my headphones in. And he, in the next instant, he's, he's curling these huge weights. He stops. He looks at me. He goes, what's your problem with me? I was like, problem? He goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. All you're doing is staring at me. <laughs> I am? 
Like, I just saw you. He goes, you're a Christian, right? I'm like, yeah. He goes, you're so fake. And he drops his weight and he walks off. And I was like, someone woke up on the wrong side of the bed this morning. <laughs> that was interesting. So I'm like, okay, I'm now not so, I'm still young, dumb, but not really naive anymore. I'm like, okay, I'm gonna really uh, be intentional about being over in this corner of the gym. But like, you guys ever had that thing where it's like you don't want to look, but it's like you really need to look. And so I am literally like, where is this guy? Like, what is going on? And I'm like, this is only going to be validating his very point that I'm staring at him. And I'm like, it's just drawing attention. So I'm kind of just trying to mind my own, my own business in the middle of my workout, in the middle of my set. And no joke, you know this thing called peripheral vision? Y'all, I see this dude, hand on the Bible, walking like this. Death staring me for like an eternity. And I'm like sitting there in the middle of my set. I'm thinking to myself, don't look. Don't do it. Just don't do it. Don't do it. Right as I open my eyes, the dude looks right up at me. He goes, hello. I'm like, what is going on? context. We're in the dead center of this gym. There's probably 75 people on elliptical. So there's all these elderly women, forgive me ladies, on the elliptical like, what is going on over there? Why is this young gentleman yelling at this other gentleman? And so I'm like, this is about to be a whole situation. So I stand up and I'm like, I just got to address it. I'm like, Bro, like, I really don't have a problem. <laughs> we about to have a problem. I'm a lover, not a fighter. He looks at me, he goes, no, no, we got a problem. I'm like, why? Like, I was just saying hi. Like, I, what is happening here? It's like, you ever been in those situations? Like, how did we get here? I'm, I'm like, okay, um, well, I, I think you and I really got off on the wrong foot. He goes, no, 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 you know what I think? Let's go outside and fight. I'm like, what? Why? Like, I was, if eye contact is offensive, whoo. He looks at me, he goes, let's go, let's go. He's like, I'm not afraid of you. I'm not gonna come into the gym every single day afraid that I'm gonna get beat up. I'm like, oh, <laughs> Like, I'm out here just trying to live my life and you came up in my grill, so what's going on? He looks at me, he goes, I'm not afraid. You know why? Because I've been stabbed. This joker pulls down his shirt. He got this scar across his chest. And I look right back at him and I say, well, I don't want to be. <laughs> at least let a brother get married first. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> how many of you guys know there's some things that you walk into in life that you just don't know how to walk out? <laughs> how many know there's... There's some situations, some, 
circumstances, some moments in life where no matter how intentional you are, no matter how disciplined you have become, no matter how dedicated you are, you're still forced to face what's directly in front of you. You, you can't avoid it. You, you can't ignore it. You found yourself in it. So now you're forced to walk through it. One of my favorite questions that I ask people who've been married 30, 40, 50 years is, what is the success and the key to the longevity of your marriage? Like, what would you say one thing is? You want to know what 90% of what the couples look back and say to me. They say, Jono, pick your battles. Pick your battles. Now, that's good for me to hear because me being young, dumb, and naive, I want to pick every battle. But my question is this, what happens when the battle picks you? Like what happens when you don't have a say in the moment? <laughs> what happens when you don't have a say in the matter? What happens when it shows up on your doorstep? When it shows up in your life unexpected? Let's just be really real and transparent. Life is hard. Life is difficult. Life is complicated. And when life gets hard and when life doesn't go the way that you thought and when life doesn't happen the way that you had hoped it would, it's hard to know what to say. It's hard to know how to feel. It's hard to know how to handle it. It's hard to know how to handle it. And if I'm honest, I'm real, if I'm transparent with you all this morning, I don't always know how to handle it. I, I don't always know how to handle what's happening. I don't know how to handle what's going on in my world. I don't know how to handle what's going on in your world. But the truth is this morning, there's not just a lot that's going on in my world or your world. There's a lot that's going on all around the world that's hard to handle. There's a lot that's happening in our nation right now that's hard to handle. There's a lot that's happening in our culture right now that's hard to handle. There's all this conflict, all this chaos, all these problems that are piling up. And if I'm honest with you this morning, I don't always know what to say about it because there's so much we're uncertain about. There's so much we have questions about. There's so much we're confused about. And I don't always know how to respond to every issue happening around me. I don't always know how to respond to all the opinions of people close to me. I don't know how to respond to all the information that people send me. I don't know who to talk to, who to go to, what sources I can trust. There's all these voices, all these choices that are advocating for my attention, and it feels overwhelming. It feels exhausting, and I've found myself in a position that I don't know how to respond to, and I don't know how to face. And I don't know how to move forward. And I don't know how to move through. Like, we can work through our past, but how do we walk through today? 
how do we process what we are seeing in our world right now? How do we handle the confusion and the complexities across our nation. Because the truth is, over the last three years, many of us experienced some things that we're still working through. We're still processing through. We're still walking through. And the truth is, we may never know the full impact of those moments and how they've affected us. But some studies actually tell us that it may take up to 10 years, not for us just to walk through and process through the things that we went through on an individual scale, but a global scale. And we may never know the full impact the full ripple effect of those moments, but I do believe that we as the church of Jesus Christ, we are the church. We as the church of Jesus Christ should not be avoiding things that need addressing. I believe it's imperative for us as the church of Jesus Christ to talk about the things that go against the purpose, the destiny that God has for his people. And I believe this is the time for the church of Jesus Christ to stand up boldly, to speak up confidently with delicacy, wisdom, and grace. And if we're going to go into the space that God has ordained this generation of believers to go into, and if we are going to face what God has anointed us to face, then we cannot fear the very space that he's called us to step into. Church family, whatever you are unwilling to confront will never change. Whatever the church of Jesus Christ avoids, the devil loves to invade. And I don't want to be the kind of person and I don't want to be the kind of pastor that's never willing to have hard conversations and lean into hard moments. I, yeah, I want to be delicate. Yeah, I want to be wise, but I never want to avoid topics, conversations, or moments with other people because it's deemed too complicated. It's deemed too messy. I want to be the kind of person that's willing to sit with people in the painful, messy moments of our lives and say, hey, I may not be able to relate to everything that you're walking through. I may not be able to relate to everything that you're going through, but I want you to know I'm with you. I want you to know I'm here. Because Newsflash Church fam, they don't need you to change them. They don't need you to fix them. That's not your job. That's the Holy Spirit's job. Your job is to love them. Your job is to sit with them. Your job is to be present with them in their pain. See, I believe this is when we start to see restoration come to this generation. I believe this is when we go beyond our opinions. We go beyond our perspectives. We go beyond ourselves. And we start asking questions, and we start leaning into conversations, and we start being the church that God has called us to be here in the earth. Because let me just let you in on some news, church family. The world is hurting. The world is divided. It's divided over what people think is right, over what people think is wrong. 
There's so many voices being spoken, so many voices being shared. Everyone wants their opinions known, their thoughts heard, and we are in a time where we've never had more access to connection, but we've never seen more isolation. It's like our social media feeds are full, but our souls are completely empty. We're seen, but we're not really known. And people have become so full of information, but they've become completely ignorant to people's feelings. They know all the facts, they know all the data, but they are not careful and intentional with working with people. We're living in a time where disagreement means we divide because division is our default. In the midst of all the disagreements, in the midst of all the conflict, in the midst of all the chaos, in the, in the midst of all the damage that has been done, I believe a divided world needs a united church. I believe the world needs a generation of believers that would stand in the gap. That would be willing to stand up for those who cannot stand for themselves. That would be willing not just to see the need, but be willing to meet the need. We don't need any more believers who just have good empathy. We need some believers that have good compassion. Because you want to know the difference between empathy and compassion? Empathy is just a feeling. Empathy is just an emotion. But compassion leads to action. Every single time in scripture, Jesus said he had compassion. It was followed through with action. So many people look around in times like this and say, where is God? Why doesn't God do something about all the issues? Why doesn't God do something about all the pain? Why doesn't God do something about all the problems? And you want to know what I wonder that God's doing up in heaven? I wonder if he's just sitting up there looking right back at us and saying, I did do something. I place my spirit in you to be a part of the reconciliation that I want to bring to this generation. See, God has placed his spirit in you to step out. He placed it in you to empower you. But he will never empower you with not equipping you. He has equipped you with everything you need to do what he has called and created you to do. He has empowered, he has equipped you with his spirit for such a time as this. But hear me loud and clear, church, when you stand up, you will stand out. You will stand out to the comments. You will stand out to the criticism. But hear me loud and clear. People will always criticize what they do not understand. People will always belittle what they don't know anything about. And it's often the people that have become content with the dysfunction that become resentful towards those who want to change their destiny. Don't let the people who know you the least define you the most. Don't let the people who decided to forfeit their purpose keep you from walking into yours. God has given you his spirit, church. You were not created to have his spirit placed in you to do life on the couch. You were created by God to be infilled with his spirit, to be a part of the movement of his church. 
What if this generation of believers became that generation of believers that said, enough is enough. Come on, we need more believing believers that would step up and step out with God's spirit in God's power for God's purpose because believe it or not, my opinions cannot change your outcome. My words cannot bring unity to this world, but check this, his word can. God's presence can. God's power can. God's peace can. And we need some people that would step up and step out regardless of the criticism or the compliments and be a bridge towards those who are in need of unity. Now, let me say this about unity. Unity is not everyone being the same. Unity is not everyone sounding the same. Unity is not everyone looking the same. That's uniformity. Unity looks like diversity. Different backgrounds, different cultures, different perspectives coming together for a common purpose. And if you're not a fan of diversity, you're not going to be a fan of eternity because it's going to be every tribe, every tongue, every people group standing before the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords singing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Only he can heal this world. Only Jesus can heal your heart. Perspectives and opinions will not bring healing into your life. Facebook debates will not bring reconciliation. And the reason I've spent so long before I've gotten to this text is I wanted us to see the reality of our world and the relevance that this text has to our everyday life today. Because in the midst of Palm Sunday, I believe that this text leading into Easter will have absolute impact and significance for how you approach this week. Here is James, the half-brother of Jesus. How many of you guys know the Bible's still relevant? How many of you guys know God still speaks? Now, I love the book of James because it's super encouraging and super practical. And here's James, the half-brother of Jesus. He's writing to a group of Jewish believers who are now scattered and divided all across the region of Jerusalem. And what these believers are going through, to put it plainly, is difficult. They are literally getting persecuted and dying for their faith in Jesus. And so here is James, the half-brother of Jesus, inspired by the Holy Spirit to write them a letter to encourage them to keep going in the midst of difficulty. He's filled with the Holy Spirit and he's writing this letter to encourage them that when things get hard and everything seems to be falling apart and things aren't going the way you expected and you found yourself in a place that you don't know how to handle, to keep holding on to faith. Keep moving forward. Keep moving forward. Keep moving forward. He's saying, hey, I know what you're going through and what you're experiencing today is difficult. I know that there's a lot going on. I know that you're really confused and I know that you're really scared, but I need you to know, don't let what you feel today determine your faith for tomorrow. He's saying, hey, 
I need you to know that what you're walking through isn't a setback. It's setting up what God is producing in and through your life. Then all of a sudden, there's this shift in his tone. There's this shift in his writing. There's a shift in his approach. Do you catch it in verse 19? It says, take note of this. Listen to this, in other words. He says, everyone. You know, I looked that word up in Greek. You want to know what it actually means? Everyone. Regardless of your age, regardless of your background, regardless where you've been, regardless what you've done, everyone should be quick to and slow to speak. Everyone should be quick to listen and slow to speak. What's he talking about? What are you talking about, James? Like, hold up. Like, this doesn't make any sense to me. He just went from persevering through the trials they're in to now talking about the power of the tongue they have. Like, talk about misreading the moment, James. Talk about not reading the room. That's just an odd contrast. That's an odd transition for me. But I wonder... I wonder if James understood something that we struggle to understand today. Because I read this text and I'm like, come on, James, why wouldn't you keep talking about how to stay faithful to Jesus in the midst of difficulty? How to stay faithful to Jesus in the midst of confusion? How to keep fighting the good fight? But instead, he starts talking about our words. He says, Everyone should be quick to listen and slow to speak and slow to become angry. I wonder if James understood something that many of us struggle to understand today. I wonder if he understood that the way that you and I see the world changed for Jesus does not come from how loud we are, but it comes from how well we listen. This is a hard pill to swallow because this almost feels controversial. This is like the polar opposite of what we think, of what we feel, of how the world sees it. Because the world says the only way to see change in the world is to make our voices heard, to make our opinions loud and clear, our disagreements so known to everyone around us. So much so that everyone wants to get the first word in and the last word out. And I believe we've lost the art of truly listening. Because too many people listen so they can speak, they don't listen to truly understand. They listen so they can add their comment. They listen so they can add their story. They listen so they can add their opinion. That's not listening. Listen to this, <laughs> no pun intended. Listening is the desire to connect to someone's heart over your desire to be heard. That's an ego killer. That crushes my insides. 
because I want to share how I feel. I want to make sure they know what I think. But listening is your humility to connect to someone's heart and soul over your need to be heard. Oh, I should have made that a main point. So here's James. He's writing to them. And he's saying, hey, don't just be people that listen so you can share, but be people that you listen so you can learn. You may impress people with how you talk, but you will truly impact people with how you listen. They'll remember how you made them feel. Half y'all, you won't even remember what I say the moment you walk out these doors. But my prayer in the moment I get up on this stage is that God would seed something in your soul from something I said, from God's word. Because my words cannot heal you. My words cannot change you, but God's word can. And he's saying, hey, you may impress people, but don't get caught up. You will truly impact people with how you listen. And I wonder, would we become less critical if we became more curious? I wonder if many of us would stop criticizing other people and started asking more questions about others if we would get a shift in our perspective about them. Because you want to know the key to living a miserable life? Let me in on a secret. You ready? Make it about you. But you want to know the key to living a meaningful life? Make it about others. Make it about others beyond yourself. Make it about others beyond you. Jesus' ministry was always about Why do they call him the servant? I didn't come to be served, but I came to serve, Jesus said. Maybe James, the half-brother of Jesus, had the wisdom and the understanding to see that as believers in this world, and Pastor Chad, you can come on up as I land this plane, as Pastor John likes to say. Maybe James had the wisdom and the understanding to see that our impact as believers in this world is not predicated on how quick we are to speak, but it's predicated on our willingness to listen. Church family, there's enough voices in the world. There's enough opinions being shared. Could something so simple carry so much significance? Could it be as simple as slowing down the words we say and quickening our willingness to listen? How much conflict would be resolved if we were better listeners than we were speakers? How much revival would come into our homes if we were better listeners than we were speakers? James, in this final moment, has what I like to call a mic drop moment. He goes on to a couple verses further to say this in verse 26. He says, those who consider themselves religious yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongue. In other words, anyone who does not watch, monitor, or keep track of how they say things or what they say. See, we talk a lot about what you say, but we don't talk a lot about how you say it because you can say the right thing but the wrong way. Ooh, 
that was a tone. <laughs> what you implying? You can say the right thing, but do it the wrong way. I'm guilty of that. You're guilty of that. We're all guilty of that. He's saying, hey, understand this. Your words carry more weight than you realize. Those who consider themselves religious yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongue deceive themselves. And their religion, their faith, is worthless. I looked up that word in the Greek, worthless. You want to know what it means? Sense of uselessness. Sense of something having no meaning, no substance, no point, no purpose. So this is powerful. James isn't just trying to step on our toes. He's trying to step on our tongues. He's trying to get us to see, church, don't be misled. When you're going through the hardest season of your life, in the hardest situation you find yourself in the middle of, don't forget your words still matter. Because your words can bring life and your words can bring death. And don't mistake that your words have the power to discredit your impact and influence for the lives of the people around you for the kingdom of God. He's saying, hey, church, don't let your words take away the power that I'm producing in your life just because it's painful. He's saying, people are watching. The world is waiting to see how we respond to what's going on, not just within us, but around us. He's saying, don't be deceived. They're looking to see how they respond when things are difficult. They're looking to respond how we go about our lives when things are complicated. And man, I've, I've witnessed so many believers lose credibility for the kingdom of God because they didn't have self-control over their words. From the things that they typed to how they talked. Because let's be real, some of us will do more damage with our thumbs than we ever will our tongues. What if, what if the church didn't run to Facebook to post about the world's problems, but we went to run and sit with people in their pain? What if what if the church was known for how we listened to the hurts and the needs of those around us? What if? What if we would be a church? What if we'd be a generation of people that didn't just sit long enough with people to see the problem, but we'd sit long enough to meet the problem. I don't wanna be the kind of pastor or the kind of person that spends my whole life not connecting to people because I was so busy trying to prove a point. 
Because that story at the beginning about the guy at the gym, y'all didn't think I was coming back to that. Don't you worry, I got you. So here I am in the dead center of the gym. 75 people probably all around me looking at us. This dude is chewing me out. Now, newsflash, getting chewed out for seven minutes feels like an eternity. <laughs> no one came to my rescue. Thank you, y'all. Appreciate it. We're sitting there, dead center of the gym. This guy's just ripping into me, reaming me. I sat there. I'm like, I don't want to fight you. Like, bro, let's chill. Like, I'm trying to de-escalate the situation. And it was going nowhere. He's just getting more heated, more heated, more heated, more heated. And at this moment, honestly, just this thought. I literally said, Jesus, you need to show up. How I many you know? When you invite Jesus into your situation, he will always exceed your expectation. In the next instant, no lie, hand on the Bible, a face of aggression turned to a face of confusion. Instantly. And I felt the glory of God come into this conversation. <laughs> He looks at me, startled. He goes, are you really just a nice guy? <laughs> yes! Bro! What have I been saying for the last? <sighs> he looks at me, he goes, you really don't have a problem with me. I was just saying hi. He goes, you're a pastor, right? I'm like, should I be? I can be whatever you need me to be. You want me to be an in insurance? I'm an in insurance, buddy. You want me to be a janitor? I will be the best janitor you ever have. I said, yeah, I, I am a pastor. He goes, I grew up going to church. I'm like, we talking to the same person. He goes, but man, I grew up going to church. But I just felt like it was all this rules and religion. I saw all these people who would sit in this chair professing their faith in Jesus on a Sunday morning and then cussing out their wife on a Monday night. He goes, I had people who would literally say some of the harshest things and the hardest things over my life. He goes, I got so hurt that I just walked away. Haven't been in church in years. He starts sharing his story with me. And I had in this moment the opportunity to ask some questions. And he's, he's, he's looking at me and I'm looking at him and tears are starting to fill his eyes. As he's sharing his story, he gets so overcome. He goes, can I just have a hug? And I'm like, all the old ladies on the elliptical, what is happening? Like, they just were chewing each other out and now they're hugging each other. This dude's bawling in my arms in the middle of the gym. And I looked at him and I said, 
Bro, I believe that God has so much more for your life than you can even imagine. He said, I believe that God loves you so much that he was willing to make me this uncomfortable to get your attention. He looks at me, he goes, so talk to me about this faith thing. I got to share the gospel with him. He's looking at me, he goes, how have I never heard this? I'm like, I don't know. Like, this is the gospel. That there's no mountain God won't climb up. There's no wall he won't kick down. There's no place that our God won't go to get to you. sitting there so he goes you know I need to be honest with you it's like okay you haven't been honest before he goes this scar across my chest he's like it wasn't from a stabbing I had open heart surgery and I felt like in that moment the Lord just gave me a word and I looked at him and I said bro how long have you been hooked on drugs it's a miracle your boy did not get punched again he looks at me, he goes, I've been hooked on pain meds for three years. When I had open heart surgery, I couldn't function. He's like, I couldn't sleep, couldn't do anything without this medication. He's like, now I'm totally reliant. I looked at him, I said, dude, I believe that God did not just come to save you. I believe that God came to empower you, to overcome what you've been overcome by. I said, what you doing after this? He goes, I was just going to go home. I no longer have my, my pump. It's a gym reference. And I was like, let's go get some food. How about Chipotle? Praise God. And we got to share each other's story. And he rededicated his life to Jesus. And he literally is plugged into the young adult ministry of that church still even today. Now, church family, hear my heart when I'm sharing this story. I'm not sharing this for you to look at me and be like, wow, good for you, pat on the back. What I am sharing this for is you may not be able to control what you walk into in life, but you can control how you respond to what you walk into. Two people can go through the same thing, but have totally different outcomes by the way that we respond. This next week, it's Easter. And can I just alleviate the burden and the pressure that some of us feel when it comes to inviting other people? Your job is not to make people love Jesus. Your job is to tell people about Jesus' love for them. You can't save them. That's the Holy Spirit's job. You can't change them. That's the Holy Spirit's job. In this next week, y'all are going to be going back into your communities, in your homes, in your workplaces. And what if, what if the church was quick to listen, slow to speak? Instead of busting that door down at work, being like, let me tell you how I feel about this problem and this problem and this problem. We say, hey, tell me about your day. We take time to get to know people. They're not impressed with your opinions. Can I just let you in on that? 
They're probably more turned off. But what if we were known for not how critical we are about the political system or the issues in our world going on around us, but we were more known for how we cared for the hearts and the souls of the people within this city. Because you and I, every single day are surrounded by people that are hurting and are looking for hope. And we have the opportunity this Sunday to come into this space and allow the Lord to orchestrate. And let me tell you, let me warn you, let me preface this real quickly. It may be uncomfortable. It's gonna be awkward. But let me tell you, woo, sometimes your anointing is through the awkward. That's where the glory is. <laughs> Let me tell you, church, you were not created to do life on the couch full of his spear. You're created to be a part of the movement of his church. You were created to see this city be a part of healing in the unity that this world needs. With every head bowed and every eye closed, God, I pray right now that you would do what you do best. God, and you fill us. You empower us. God, would you equip us to go do and become what you have created us to do and become. God, I pray for awkward, uncomfortable moments today that would stretch our faith that would frustrate our faith, that we would not confine you to a space or a place or an approach or a program, but God, we would get outside these four walls and we would see the need and we would help meet the need. And God, we would give an invitation for someone to come this Sunday, to know you, to experience your goodness and your grace. God, I pray the marker of us as Oaks Church would not be how loud we are, how opinionated we are. But God, our, our heart, how people know us would be by how well we listen and we care. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen.